Linux Out Loud is firing up our mics, connecting those headphones as we search the community for themes to expound upon. We keep the banter friendly, the conversation somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it. This week, we're spouting off about what happens if our favorite DE, and for pretty much all of us here on this show, that's Plasma, what happens if that goes away? Let's get into episode 62. Linux Out Loud is brought to you by Linode and Bitwarden. I am actually feeling somewhat human today. And as we know from when I was gone, mom sometimes still dictates when the show is done. So hello, my children. And we're back at it with a feel good Wendy. Mom, it was all Nate's fault. (laughs) I think that's great. Yeah, you know, that's not wrong. I think I messed up something every week publishing the episodes, so my bad. That's all right. I got it all fixed. We're good to go and ready to roll into a new week. You'll never have me unload the dishwasher again, will you? Yes, I will. Though, (laughs) come to think about it, I think my kids purposely load it in a way that the dishes don't get clean so they don't get asked to load it again. Mm. Having done something similar at work, okay, I'll go do it. Then you do it totally the wrong way. They will never ask you to do it again. Mm-hmm. Unless you're in the military, when they actually make you do it over and over again just to cause you pain, that's another tactic too. Well, some things are done that way in our house. If you don't actually sweep the floor properly, you are sweeping the entire floor over again. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I like that. Sometimes I do group punishment with my kids. So like one kid makes a mess of something and so I have all the kids clean it. Sometimes I'll have the kid that made the mess stand there and watch the other kids as they clean it so that... Hopefully next time when the one that made the mess goes to make the mess again or, or doesn't do something, they will police themselves yes. up. It worked in the army. It does work. So I don't know if it'll work with my kids or not. Or they're going to resent me and, and they'll <laughs> think I'm a bad father. One or the other. Either way, it's getting clean. <laughs> now you are actually getting to play with some hardware stuff this week, Nate. And are you having monitor problems? Nope. I'm not having any monitor problems. And I, I am playing with hardware but not necessarily this hardware. So what happened was, no matter the situation, it's never enough monitors, no matter what. Originally, I had a a setup out here in in, uh, my cubicle labs or my super cubicle, depends on which iteration, where I had three monitors, the laptop monitor, a widescreen above it, and then another like standard aspect ratio, just whatever I had, even just beyond that. And I added that one because, let me back up here. Originally, I had three monitors, the, the laptop monitor, another like 1080p screen, and then another side monitor beside that another like standard aspect ratio four by three and then i got rid of those and i got one ultra wide and so it's like having two monitors and then i ended up adding another monitor so then when i built my next computer iteration i went with a ultra wide the 1440p or something like that the slightly higher resolution it's not 1080p but it's anyway so I went with a higher resolution monitor and now i find now that's not enough and so I have to add another monitor. And then I was listening to this uh, Linux Matters podcast that has, you know, if you remember the Ubuntu podcast with Wimpy and Popey and Marky. I don't know. I think they just call him Mark, but they all have a E at the end of their name. So he should be Marky. Anyway, I was listening to that and Mark or Marky was talking about this dual up monitor that has, it's basically instead of being just an ultra wide, it's like having two 1440p monitors stacked on top of each other so that the display resolution is 2560 by 2880. And so it's like having two of these monitors like I have now in one monitor. 
and so you don't have a little bezel in between. And a lot of times when I do like video editing, I, I like to have the additional space for tracks and everything else. And this would make it better than I could have like show notes there and everything else. And then I thought, well, I'd probably then still want to have another side monitor for something else. So I think it's a never ending mess that I won't ever be able to clean up that I just want more and more monitors. And I don't really know how to resolve this, but I just happen to think this is really cool. It's a little bit pricey, a little spendy at $618, but it's kind of like having two screens. So, you know, $309, I guess, each, you know, plus shipping. I guess it's really not a bad deal. I don't know. Anyway, I think it's a cool monitor. It's a neat idea. It's kind of going the opposite way in some some manner. So it's a 27 inch, the display, whatever, you know, how that like WXGA or whatever. This is SDQHD. It's a 16 by 18 dual up monitor and has USB-C input as well. So it's by LG. I think it's pretty cool. I don't know if I'm going to get it. Mark has one. He really likes it. And I think this might be better, but I don't really need it. But I kind of want it now. I really like the look of this thing. And I was just thinking, man, this would be so nice to my left-hand side. And I can't tell you how to get over not wanting more monitors. I am currently running two right now. And in the past, I've had three. When I upgraded to this 4K monitor that I had, I sold two of my monitors to kind of help make up the difference for Mm -hmm. it. And I am missing having the third monitor. I have to have a minimum of two. These are both 32-inch monitors. And I would love to have another one because you're right. As you're working on things, yes, you can have the virtual desktops and be bouncing back and forth between them. But when I'm looking at stuff, I really want it all up on the same time all the way around me. So yeah, it is a little bit more spendy, but it looks like it has a pretty nice color gamut on it. There is all kind of connectors on the back of this monitor, which is absolutely awesome. I've had other hardware made by LG. I wasn't a huge fan of the dishwasher I had by them, but uh, I think some of that has to do with the treatment that was done by the kids. And I've had some of their phones in the past, and I think they really shine when it comes to some of their peripherals. I think in general, dishwashers doesn't matter by whom, are kind of garbage yeah. because of the energy restrictions now. So they don't actually spray like they're supposed to, like like they did back in the 90s. It's still the 90s. For me, it is. <laughs> but my dishwasher doesn't know that. And it is a, like every other dish, modern dishwasher, it's kind of a piece of garbage. So Yes, I would agree with that. Absolutely. A hundred percent. So this is definitely something that I will keep an eye on. I don't know that I necessarily want to pick it up right now at this price, but I like the idea of having two stacked monitors right there, really convenient in how you can maneuver that and the type of data that you can throw up onto it with a nice resolution, a really nice color gamut on it. And I think if you're just starting out and wanting two monitors, this may be a good way to get two monitors. Yeah. The ratings on it look pretty awesome. Everything about it looks great, but I think if I were to get one, I would probably want to put another one next to it. And then I'd probably want to put another one next Mm -hmm. to that. So it it doesn't matter what I do. It's just never going to be enough. The problem is me, not my monitors. I can definitely agree. You can never have enough monitors, um, especially like you mentioned, doing video editing and sometimes that more seamless workflow than what Wendy mentioned about bouncing back and forth between like virtual desktops. While it's great for organizations, sometimes Mm -hmm. it doesn't work for the, like a consistent workflow. Yeah. I definitely understand where you're coming from there, especially when it comes to like video editing and that kind of stuff. 
because you can have this, you know, certain tools over here, some over here, and it's just a cleaner, more soul focused kind of stuff. You know, all the stuff you don't need cut off onto one side and not your primary yes. focus. Yeah. Looking at the pictures of it, especially the customer reviews, you don't have to use this large monitor as two separate monitors. You can use it as one more tall oriented mm -hmm. monitor, which gives you lots of yep. options. Very awesome. Yeah. And the other thing too is like when I'm editing Linux Saloon, I actually have a monitor arrangement similar to this on my laptop in the house. So when I'm editing Linux Saloon early on Sunday morning, I have the show notes above the top half of the top screen. The lower half of that top screen plus the lower screen is Caden Live. And then as I cut things out and, and then when I have like timestamps, I immediately write them because it's all right there. And I can very much more efficiently go through that because of the more screen real estate. It'd be nice if I had just had some more pixels. I just want more pixels all the time. I think I can never have enough. It's a neat idea. I think I'd like it, but I don't need it. If you ever do get around to getting one, I would love your feedback on it. Certainly. I will gladly share it. And I also want to thank the good folks in the Ubuntu, I mean, the Linux Matters podcast for disrupting my day as I listen to Mark talk about this monitor. So thank you, Mark, for disrupting my day. I want to say thank you to them as well for you can blame them now for <laughs> hardware purchases as opposed to me. <laughs> yeah, I haven't purchased it yet. So the only one to blame right now is still operative you. word. <laughs> yet. Yet. So Matt, you are stating that you... Remembered why you switched to Linux full-time. Okay. <laughs> As an update to the laptop uh, situation, finally got my new machine, and it works great, all that fun stuff. Uh, you know, no cracked screens, everything boots up, all that stuff. The problem is once you get well, about five seconds into that boot up, <laughs> it comes with Windows 11. Right now, because it's an open box, there's a 30-day return policy and all that stuff, but I would kind of like to use the machine. I am currently using Windows 11. I swear the next time somebody says that all you ever use on Linux is the command line, and I'll be the... And this is coming from me, so let the kind of the irony uh -huh. sink in. And then that you don't have yes. to do it on Windows is a liar. The fact that you cannot, and I mean cannot, once you get to the network selection without inputting fuzzy data just to let it fail, you cannot create a local user account. Really? Without using some type of shift F10 CMD command or giving false data for it not to be able to connect to a network. Only then can you proceed past that point. Other than that, it gives you no option to create an account offline because they want you to create a Microsoft account. That to me is absurdly obnoxious. Even as much as I dislike some of the telemetry and the nonsense Microsoft has done with Windows 10, at least <laughs> that was still an option. I've also found other, I guess you can say, idiosyncrasies with Windows. People call Linux janky and everything else. I am running on 16 gigs, 3070, and a i7-1200, 12,000, whatever series Intel chip. Should be fairly fast and fluid. Any touchpad gestures, any UI stuff, it feels like it drags like badly like it just feels like stuttery and everything else and it could be the the fact that it's a 4k screen windows has never been good at that super high fidelity stuff when it comes to that but man like i don't even get these issues with lennox like and people want to sometimes say lennox is you know a janky experience newsflash i view everything as a product windows is a bad product to me like for me <laughs> windows is a bad product
it's nice having some of the like from a gamer's perspective it's nice to have some of those extras like rtx and all like built in and all that stuff and not kind of relying solely on valve for a lot of things but on the same note I think I'd rather rely on Valve because at least they're doing all the stuff in the open source end of it. Microsoft is... Right. Um, remember, what, Nate, the saying used to be Linux shouldn't hurt? Well, apparently Windows decided to take that because, man, does Windows hurt. How much longer do you have to be on Windows before you get to Nuke and Pave? I got that back on the 28th, like in my physical possession. So before... So I have at least until the end of May. Wow. I'm sorry. Roughly. <laughs> roughly. If you like the machine, why don't you just nuke and pave it or maybe pop out a drive or something? Because it's an open box machine and it has a 30-day return policy. And because I already had previously had issues with my prior machine that they said. Oh, so you're a little concerned about it? I would prefer to at least wait the month, but I would also, you know, kind of like to use the machine. Yeah. I would just nuke and pave it. I know you would, but... And you know what I'd put on there? I need to never guess it, but I'd probably put OpenSUSE Tumbleweed on there just immediately. <laughs> that is such a shock. But I probably won't put OpenSUSE Tumbleweed on there. I'll probably put... um Weirdo. Uh, what's, what's that one that I use? Oh, the one that actually, Wendy, you apparently just installed on something that you built. Yes, 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 yes. So... I was feeling a little bit better on Saturday last week, and so the kids wanted to get to building their system. I was a little worried that they weren't going to get to build it until later in May because their CPU cooler wasn't supposed to be here until like closer to the 14th of May based on shipping dates. And I was thinking, if you remembered on the shows before, that I was probably just going to have to order another one because the way I ordered it, like canceling the order or whatever, it was it was complicated. So it actually showed up while I was in Texas. You guys heard me on Thursday last week when we recorded and I did. I was tired. I sounded pretty rough. Was that, I barely heard yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> I was really <laughs> quiet and really not feeling all that great. So by Saturday, I was definitely feeling better, still a little bit tired, but the kids wanted to go ahead and build the system. That CPU cooler arrived while I was in Texas, and it was a lot of fun. They had a blast building it. I decided I was going to go ahead and put that newer card in my system. And one of the biggest reasons I decided to do that was because I wanted the quieter card. When we're recording shows and all of that stuff... I was already turning the fans down really low, so I have a pretty aggressive fan curve on there. And when I didn't have that fan curve turned way down, then it was loud. Like, that Vega 64 was extremely loud. And so I decided that, you know, I'm going to put the newer card in mine. It's got three fans on it as compared to the one on the Vega 64 model that I have. And before we could really get to work in building the kid's system... I wanted to get that car tore down. When I got that thing opened up, I was pretty disgusted that I'd been running it for as long as I had in the state that it was in. I didn't take pictures of it oh. because I was so incredibly embarrassed of the state that it was in. So it was definitely <laughs> dusty. My entire PC needs another clean out again. We've talked about the fact that I live in a dry, dusty environment. Dust collects pretty fast. But... There is the one fan, and that fan blows air across the radiator, and that initial entrance into that radiator was mostly blocked off. It's no wonder that the temperatures were pretty high. Of course, the thermal paste had never been changed, and the thermal pads had never been changed, and the card was 
six years old. So it definitely was needed for that anyway. But it was pretty easy to tell that it wasn't getting enough air. It just wasn't being cooled properly for the day-to-day use. I'm really glad that we hadn't been using it for VR for a while. Got the card completely cleaned up. The kids built their system and now it runs so much quieter. I still do have a pretty aggressive fan curve on it. I've told you guys all before that I prefer some fan noise and a cooler card then vice versa. On both of the systems, well I guess on that system I don't have it set up, but both systems are using that core control application. I really really like it for setting up custom fan curves for the GPU. And then on my personal system I have a separate profile that I turn on for recording which really drops that overall fan speed and then I turn it back off when not. When I turn that profile on now with that newer card in my system, It quiets it down a little bit, but for the most part with three fans, it's running pretty good. The biggest change is in the heat that the other one's producing. It's so much cooler. Granted, the new thermal paste, the new thermal pads make a huge difference in that, but the radiator getting air, who would have thought, makes an even bigger difference in that card actually running at a better temp. The kids are playing VR on it. It was really nice. We hadn't run VR in a while on my system even because they always wanted to play the VR games in the evening when I needed it more for my related stuff. And so we were having a battle over mom's computer. The VR has been disconnected for a while. Threw Garuda on it and I was like, okay, let's go ahead, fire up Steam, install Steam VR, and see if we need to install those additional VR drivers. If we don't have to, awesome. It's one less thing to do. It's one less thing to be updated. It's one less thing that is being pulled from the AUR that could potentially break. Out of the box, it was running just fine. We did run into a little snag with one of the VR games that my kids had bought recently. So there's a game that they've been playing on their tablets called Simple Planes. And there was a version of that in Steam that was VR only. So they were pretty thrilled about that. The kids had bought that game and we just couldn't get it to work. It was complaining about not being able to find OpenXR. But if you go inside of the Steam VR settings, you can change it to be an OpenXR environment. Now their simple VR games is playing just fine. All of the other VR games that they play are playing just fine with that change in the settings. They're rocking it pretty good. I would like them to be able to use this system for more than just gaming. Right now it's next to the TV, but I would like to get a desk rearranged from stuff. My living room is becoming less and less of a living room and more of a large room with a collection of other tech because I've got two printers out there, the 3D printer out there, the crickets out there. Really, it's a place that you can sit and then you're surrounded by other tech. I guess there's a reason I'm on a show called Hardware Addicts. And so I'd like to get a desk that that desktop can go on, a smaller monitor so they can use that one for some school. My daughter can use it for some drawing features, some other things, instead of it only being a gaming machine because it's kind of a waste with as much as there is built in this machine. If you'd like a full rundown of everything that's in it, you can go check out episode... 58 of Linux Out Loud. I have the show notes 
to that in the show notes for this show. So if you want all of that hardware, the only thing that's changed is I got the newer card. They got the Vega 64. All in all, it is a very solid machine, and we're pretty happy with the build. Nice. Well, I would actually argue that having tech in your living room makes it more of a living room because it's living not with just people, but living with right. tech. So I will say that that's, <laughs> it is a living room. It's, it's just a electrified living room. Of course you'd say that, Nate. I'm not saying that to try and enable you to you know, drown your kids out with the sound of humming electronics, but... But he's also not discouraging it either. <laughs> no, I'm not discouraging it at all. Well, I have plans to, like I said, bring in a desk in there and some different tables. So the tables that some of the things are sitting on right now are not quite as sturdy as I would like them to be. So I've got plans for a full rearrangement and better teching out that space, making it more usable, making it more feasible, easy to get to everything. I still have plans to turn a corner of that space into our Lego robotics kind of station. All in all, just due to space, the living room is taking that way. But I think we get more use out of it because when the kids are doing their schoolwork, yay, since we homeschool, it doesn't necessarily need to be at the kitchen table. They're all over the house when they're doing their different schoolwork. And so it'll make the space a little bit more usable. We'll actually use it a little bit more once I get it all established. And that's kind of my goal for the summer. We are going to have some robotics things. Robotics isn't completely dead. We would like to keep the kids up on some build processes, some code, all of that fun stuff. But for the most part, it's more of a break. And so getting everything ready for next year, getting my house a little bit more robotic season friendly is part of the goal of the summer. And that's making sure that all of the tech that we have out there is easy to use and easy to get to. And that includes making that new PC build easier to use it for more processes than just games, even though it was built mainly for VR gaming. I like that. Scope creep. Right. Right. <laughs> Visit linode.com slash tux and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. From their award-winning support to ease of use and setup, it is clear why developers and businesses have been trusting Linode for their projects, both big and small, since 2003. Don't worry if you're just getting started. That 24-hour, 7 days a week, 365 days a year support is offered to every level of user. They also offer industry-best price-to-performance value for all compute instances, including shared, dedicated, high memory, and GPUs. Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible, allowing you to focus on your customers, not your infrastructure. Visit linode.com tux, create a free account, and you'll get a $100 credit. Say you're in a hurry, don't worry about it. You can build everything yourself or use the Linode one-click apps to deploy everything from Plesk, WordPress, to Valheim, and Minecraft servers. Make sure you visit Linode slash Tux to get started for free and snag that $100 credit while you're at it. On Linux Out Loud, we don't shy away for our love of Plasma. I think all of us have been using this desktop environment for a really long time we love it for so many reasons, and we won't rehash out all of the reasons that we love Plasma, 
But we've talked about what would happen if our favorite distro went away. And that kind of includes what happens if something happened to Plasma and it just was no longer an option anymore. There wasn't somebody maintaining it. We couldn't jump in and try to maintain it. It's just gone. That's it. Boom. Plasma is out of here. And I'm really, really curious as to what your option is going to be, Matt, because I know for sure you said it is not going to be GNOME. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. For me, uh, that let's see if I got a word that right. So for me, nope. I would actually, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, blood, <laughs> usually if it's GNOME, a lot of bad language that goes with it. Morse code. It's going to be Gnome doing an SOS. Save our laptop. <laughs> no, it's going to be Gnome doing an SOS from the amount I'm kicking it while it's down. <laughs> I would probably choose Enlightenment as my oh. DE of choice. And the reason is actually quite simple. It would give me a lightweight desktop environment, but it would also give me the flexibility that a lot of other desktop environments don't. And I, yes, I know Enlightenment is a bunch of libraries and stuff, and it's not quote unquote technically a desktop, but it is. It's a kind of a middle ground for me because you can make it look really, really, really pretty, or you can make it really, really, really ugly. <laughs> But you can tweak and change and do a bunch of different stuff in it that you generically can't do in a lot of the other DEs. So for me, the fact that it's super lightweight, I'm talking like even with applications open, I've seen it running at like 250-ish megs. Nice. It is super light. Well, the 3D acceleration doesn't require a ton of backend stuff. So it's just a really low requirement system. I don't use it on the day-to-day simply because it's a lot of the window dressing tends to be looking very GTK. Yeah. That's not my preferred library of stuff to use. But if I had to go somewhere, it would probably be Enlightenment. I just find that they try to do a lot of different kind of forward thinking and different stuff. That's my choice. Honestly, I'm more curious to see where Nate would go, but something tells me it would be old, crusty, and predictable. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually between different ideas of what I would actually do. So it definitely would not be GNOME. Not a dig against GNOME, but they are just in a direction that I can't get behind right now. If it's for you, great. It's just not for me. I was thinking then XFCE because I think it's it's also very customizable and everything else, but I don't know that that's where I'd want to go. So I think what I would do is I would probably go with CDE, which is old and crusty. I rest my case. (laughs) Now, I was actually between a couple of different ideas. You know, I also think like LXQt, but I think that's cheating because I'm going to go ahead and guess that Plasma ceases to exist. It's probably because of a licensing issue with Qt and whatever else, even though that's not going to be an issue, but it would probably take LXQt with it. LXQt would be the obvious next one that I would go with because it's also lightweight and everything else and has the same toolkits and such that I like. But anyway, I think I would go with CDE, but specifically NSCDE or the not-so-common desktop environment because I know I could get it. It would run on OpenSUSE and it would actually it would run great. I've tested it before. I don't recall how lightweight it was, but it's, it's really pretty lightweight since it's basically built on a 1990s desktop interface paradigm. But the reason it would be NSCDE is because my first introduction to not Windows or Amiga Workbench or Mac OS, I guess. It was CDE and it had these you know, multiple virtual desktops. And when I first used it, my early days of doing CAD professionally, I was like, what is this magical thing? And it was, it was 
literally a magical time in my computer usage history. And as such, I do have it installed as an alternate desktop environment for my computers. And every once in a while, I do boot into it. It's a little bit on the buggy side, but outside of a little bit of bugginess, it really is fantastic to work with. I like it. It's absolutely nothing like Plasma. It's probably not even the same game as Plasma, but I would really enjoy that. And so I should say I would enjoy that more than anything else. And actually, sometimes it's fun just to boot into that and use that on my laptop in public because it looks weird. So there is that as well. It's a little bit weird and, and I like it. So when someone looks over your shoulder, they're like, holy crap, he's running Windows 98. Uh, it's even more crusty looking than so that. So Wendy, in reference, the closest thing would probably be like Windows 3.1. Wow. <laughs> I have a link. I did an article on cubiclenate.com. You can look Sweet. at it. It's from last November. And so you can see what it looks like. Actually, I'm editing video using it and so forth. It would be my go-to if not for plasma interesting of course matt was definitely right old and crusty looking old and crusty Uh not saying that they aren't doing amazing development on it still but this definitely flows with your retro vibe in so many other things Mm -hmm. that you do it shouldn't be a shock to anybody out there no it shouldn't be it actually it should be kind of sort of expected exactly Well, which it was. Matt kind of gave it away. I'm a little upset that Matt knows me so well now. That's a bit irritating. You shouldn't be. We spent enough time together over the course of recording this show. This is true. Now, Wendy, I realize that my choice is a little bit on the crusty side. It's the perfect kind of croissant crispness to it, but probably not in your wheelhouse. What would you choose as your desktop environment replacement? I would say that my number one desktop replacement would still be going with something Qt based and that is LXQT. It's been quite a while since I have played with this desktop and there were a few things missing from it last time I played with it and that was a really good dark theme. They have that added to it now that isn't an issue anymore. And I do like the way that QT runs on my system. It's one of the things that I enjoy about Plasma is its underlying code base and the fact that it can take advantage of more than one core. I'm not entirely sure if this desktop environment has that written into it, but where it is using QT, it does seem like it is a little bit easier to get that knowing that Plasma has it. So that would be my first choice, still pretty customizable. Um, I don't have a lot on my main screens. I've shared that before. If I want to get anywhere on my system, it's super key. I type it out and open it. So as long as the background's really, really dark, that I have a dark theme overall on my system, that I can navigate it in a way that makes sense to me, I love that on Plasma, my windows, I can set where they are and I would need to do a little bit of digging and make sure you could still do that in LXQT, but that would be my first choice. And if I was having issues using that one, only then would I jump to something else. And this one is way different, but the other option that I would jump to, and it's probably because I've never actually played with it, so it would give me a good excuse to play with it, is Budgie. I've heard amazing things from people who have fallen in love with this desktop, some of the quick links that are on top of it, and I haven't played with it, mainly because I have found a home in Plasma that I love, and if it did go away, 
then it would give me a reason to play with this. So I've heard nothing but good things from people who use it all the time. That's probably the only way I'm ever going to play with it is if plasma disappears. I think budgie for sure is a good one to go with because it looks good. It's kind of like plasma without all the you know extra lickies and mm-hmm. chewies, as it were. It's a solid desktop and the work being done on it, I think is Josh Strobel does is, is just fantastic and it's got a lot of momentum behind it still even even though there's been some turbulence and that whole fantastic desktop it really is and it's just too fancy for a guy like me <laughs> Nate, i would almost argue xfce is too much of a fancy desktop for you a guy like you yet i use plasma i don't know how this all fits right? together but we'll just let it be because plasma <laughs> lets you make it old and crusty looking xfce Never mind. It's true. I'm just gonna leave that one alone. But XFC would let me make it, you know, like that too. Yeah, definitely. I think the vanilla XFCE experience is, is pretty darn decent now. I think MX Linux probably mm-hmm. does it best. Yeah. I like the OpenSUSE implementation yeah. of it. They've done quite a bit of work on making it good because they, they use that thing. Is it the Whisker menu? Yeah. I think yeah. so. You can hit the super key and start typing and whatnot. Probably XFCE's up there too. XFCE budgie. Ah, but I'd still stick with CDE. It's been a long time since I've used Mate as well. Just. You know, I don't experiment oh, yeah. with desktop environments anymore. The little bit of time that I did play with that one before, and I know that there has been a lot of continued work on it. That might be another one that I check out. It's almost like if Plasma went away, my first install would be LXQT, but I wouldn't be above going and testing things out because when Corora went away, my first Linux love then I needed to go somewhere else. And so there was a little bit of time that I was testing this here and playing with that there, just trying to find where that really good groove was. And while distro hopping would make Magneto a little frustrated, it might be the process in which (laughs) I went through was DE hopping just to find that one that had everything that I needed in a way that worked for my workflow. And that's really what it comes down to is, can I get things done in a manner that makes sense to me with the applications that I'm using in a GUI environment that is aesthetically pleasing to me? Right, exactly. Early on, aesthetics was not that big a deal. Like in computers and whatnot, you had the terminal and, you know, Windows 311 or Workbench, whatever, on the Amiga. Mac whatever they had. I think as time went on, as you spent more time on the computer, the aesthetics became more of an issue because, you know, you don't want to stay in a drab looking house. Well, maybe you do, Matt, (laughs) but I don't. I like to make the house more personalized, you know, pictures or whatever, just to make it more fun for me to be there. You know, like Lego flower centerpieces on the kitchen table, you know, stuff like that. Just, you know, little weird things. Linux makes it really possible to, I should say these open source desktop environments, makes it possible to have that on your workspace that you do your Mm -hmm. digital work. And that's really important for me, especially with the dark modes and everything else. So I don't have as much light beaming into my eyes. We are so fortunate in the amount of option and choice that we get to really dress up our computers to be, you know, a personalized experience. And they're all really good options, actually. Yeah, they really are. There are a ton of options, like Wendy mentioned. If I went with a GTK-specific stuff or like GNOME-based stuff, it would definitely be Ubuntu Budgie because it finds that happy medium of customization and not overwhelming menus that you can potentially get lost in, like Plasma. The breadth of available options for people if something happens to go away is really, really nice to see honestly 
or you know you have people who bring back projects that you once thought were dead like what's mm-hmm. going on with unity and all that stuff so <laughs> nate alluded to some of the situations that were going on with budgie so it's really nice to be able to have those options if something for whatever reason kind of goes away because at least in a land of Linux, we are not stuck with what the OEM or, or in this case, OS provider says is going to be the default and the one size fits all and you will like it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You're not force fed a specific thing that you can't actually customize and make work better for you. And I think that's just unfortunate. I mean, it's probably good from an enterprise perspective. You don't want people breaking things, but I think there's ways to lock down Linux if you really feel like it. You can, and there are ways that they've done that. Just think about your Steam Deck. There are ways that they have locked that down in order to make that experience a little bit more streamlined, even for people that don't necessarily use Linux, make it overall a better experience. And I can understand why... There are OSs out there that come with one standardized DE. Yeah, that DE may change from version to version of that operating system. Sometimes they're big changes, sometimes they're little changes. But this is where I think Linux really shines is our options and the customability and being able to find a workflow that really fits your needs. And while it would be extremely sad to see one of our desktop environments go, especially the one that we love so much. It's awesome knowing that there are a bunch of options out there that could go in and fill those gaps. So I want to know, what is your favorite desktop environment? And if it went away, what would you use instead and why? I just told you. Not you. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of Linux Out Loud is sponsored by Bitwarden. Bitwarden is the password manager that we use and trust. Bitwarden lets you set up things like a pin to easily access your password manager, as well as additional authentication such as master passwords and adding phrases to fingerprint security, all to keep your passwords safe. Bitwarden is the easiest and safest way for individuals, teams, and businesses to store, share, and sync sensitive data. Go to bitwarden.com tux to get started for free. Make the smart move like many from the community, and have a go at bidwarden.com slash tux to get started for free. If you're like me, though, you'll want to show your appreciation by signing up for the premium edition, especially since the premium edition starts at only $10 a year. And for that $10 premium account, you'll get things like one gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, U2F and Duo, Vault Health Reports, and so much more. Also, you'll get priority customer support. Huh? Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Linux Out Loud. I don't get to go see movies very often, but the game you're bringing to us this week, Matt, for Game of the Week is like a movie at home with a little bit more violence. Just a little. Uh, (laughs) Non-family-friendly game. Do keep that in mind. Rated R movie. (laughs) The quote-unquote game is more of a choose-your-own-adventure movie. So those that grew up in the 90s will remember FMV games, full motion video games. Yep. They were definitely a interesting story mechanic. So what this particular game is, is called Blood Shore. It is about, if you've ever seen the movie The Condemned with Stone Cold Steve Austin, this is basically that put into a video game, but in a even more budget oriented B-movie kind of way. <laughs> I think that gives it its charm. 
frankly, the B-movie feel to it. Exactly. These are really short. So I view these, and I use the term game again very loosely. (laughs) The way I view these narrative-driven movie games is... I view them as you kind of play them once. I don't go back and replay these. It's kind of the same way I do um, a lot of the narrative-driven, like, actual video games. Is I play it once, the outcome that I get is the outcome that I had for that game. I'm not a completionist with a lot of this stuff. I don't need to go back and play it 20 different times to get every little nook and cranny. The experience I got is the one I wanted to have. That's kind of how I view this. So when you play Pokemon, you don't go back and collect them all? Not when Nintendo artificially limits it, so I can't collect them all. And you know, that's totally true too. So this was like a $4 movie because right now it is currently on sale for four bucks on Steam as a recording anyway. And these go on sale fairly regularly. So I bought, I think five or six of these from uh, a publisher called Wells Interactive. And it was probably $15, $20. I bought four or five, six movies for 20 bucks, basically, that I can kind of choose how the outcome may come to be. And it's a great way to kind of kill a night or it's just like, I'm not looking for gameplay. I'm just looking to be, I don't want to say mindlessly entertained, but something that keeps me aware of what I'm watching. And that's kind of what these do. Yep, I get it. And also, you know, 12 seconds in on the promo, I can see why you like this game. (laughs) Uh, of course you would say that. <laughs> I don't want to say you promised me, but you, you said if 52 weeks of not... Not showing massive amounts of... <laughs> is that what you're trying to get to? Yeah, something like that, yeah. I mean, that's what Matt likes. That's what Matt likes. Oh, and seeing how we haven't had a bad Matt. Hey, Nate. I mean, you know, it's cool. Whatever. You know? I mean, I'm a nerd. I watch Star Trek, so I mean... There's that anyway, huh? So while I'm making different choices when it comes to my video game selections... Nate, you're seemingly being pretty steadfast about self. I am. And I would say making terrible gaming suggestions. But yes, I am dead fast on going to self. I will see if you want to go to a Linux Fest and, and meet me. I don't know why you would want to do that. But go to a Linux Fest and have some fun. I'm going to the uh, Southeast Linux Fest in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Sheridan Charlotte Airport Hotel will be Southeast Linux Fest. So I'm excited to be there. I had so much fun last year. I had to go again. And hopefully things will work out. I might even go to another Linux Fest sometime this year, but I don't know where yet. Anyway, that's all I got. Southeast Linux Fest, June 9th through 11th. Would love to see you there, meet you. We can riff with one another and say how bad Matt's uh, game suggestions are. Perfect. I want to go. I want to be part of that. They're only bad, (laughs) Nate, because 90% of the time I can somehow convince you into buying them because... While the ones on the show, not so much. The ones that I generically send to you off show are usually the ones I can get you to buy. (laughs) Typically the ones that you share on the show or too new or in genres that really aren't up Nate's alley. But I see some of the stuff you share in our private Linux Out Loud chat. And yeah, you definitely get him to buy plenty of games. Or like with you, I can just say it's for the kids. (laughs) I know. I know. Gosh dang you. Well, Wendy, looks like you have a great game suggestion, unlike Matt. And I want to hear more about this creepy tale three that you got in the show notes. I have talked about the first two games at length and could not wait for the third version to drop. This is done in the exact same art style as the first two creepy tales. 
of course, same developers, all of that stuff. But I think the puzzles get better and better with each and every game. I am now into, I guess you could say, chapter six of it, getting close to being out of this one and onto other stuff. They have brought back some of the characters that we experienced in two the owls. If you've played this before, you can also see them in the screenshots, which I very much disliked the owls in the other game. They're still a royal pain in the butt in this game, but the puzzles are amazing. The art style is super awesome, and I've enjoyed them. Like Candle, you have to go to some different parts of the game in order to gather all of the pieces, and this one is bringing in some of those elements where you have multiple puzzles inside of a puzzle. Most of them I've been able to figure out pretty well without going, holy crap, what am I missing here? But it's it's pretty awesome. That same, like I said, great graphic style. So if you enjoy that hand-drawn, little bit dark game style, I definitely recommend picking this up. This one launched... March 9th of this year. It is still really, really new. It was on sale when I grabbed it. They were doing their puzzle game sale, and this just so happened to pop up for some reason. I missed the notification or whatever, not like I was, you know, doing robotics or something when it dropped. So I missed the initial <laughs> drop. I did pick it up on sale, but I would buy this one at full price, hands down. It's only $10. And just like some of the other ones, it might have come later, but they have released the Linux version of it. So if you are someone who really likes to stick to games that you can run natively on Linux, all of the creepy tales have that native feature. They run incredibly well. The only problem I'm running into with this one, and I don't know whether it's using Proton or not, I should go in and check the settings. But when I go to exit the game, it doesn't fully close. They have to go into Steam and finish shutting it down, but it's still new launch. And the Linux version recently just dropped. All the rest of the gameplay is perfect. Runs just fine. So highly recommend this developer. Highly recommend this game for anybody who's interested in some fun, dark puzzles. You know, it's kind of fitting that it doesn't completely shut down when you shut it down because it's kind of a creepy game. And that's kind of a creepy thing to do, just kind of keep lurking <laughs> there in, as a background process. I think that it was done on purpose. Maybe. And uh, well done on the, on the developer for making the game operate creepy too. Sounds good. I like it. I like that explanation of it. <laughs> I do love the art style though. I think it's really fantastic. It's very similar to Candle. I don't know if it's the same. Different publisher than Candle, but, but it, it does have okay. that same beautiful hand-drawn aesthetic to it. Yeah. And I really like that a lot. It's a neat style. Even the ugly things in it are charming. Yeah. Even like the character dying is charming, which is a little bit bizarre to say. I know, right? And I have <laughs> died plenty of times in this game. I actually received one of the not awards what is it the achievements that I like pain because in one I died so many times so there is that but you're not starting all over again you're not starting from the beginning I guess that's one of the things I like about it is as you're trying to solve the puzzle sometimes you're going to die until you figure out 
where you need to be or what you need to do to not die. The frozen people, I don't know what they look like. They're in the bottom of a, uh, looks like a lava pit, but I guess it's not lava. I don't know. They look like statues. Even though it's creepy, it's still neat. It's not like overly creepy. Yeah, it's not overly creepy. And this is not one that I'm not worried if my kids are in the room. They can definitely be in the room for this one. And they enjoy watching me play. They enjoy watching mom die as she's figuring out the different puzzle pieces. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy, I figured if the kids like to watch you die in a game, they're just watching you uh, play like a first-person shooter or something. Ugh, yeah, that would absolutely oh, right? be the case. But I don't play those for a reason because I die almost instantly. At least I have a fighting chance with a puzzle game, and I don't have a fighting chance with a first-person shooter. I would just blame it on Magneto saying you know, he was the one causing you to die. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> He was in the room. It was all his yep. fault. He did it. Now it's your turn to toss in your two cents on today's topic. Hit the discourse form. Drop us a line under this video or contact form by visiting tuxdigital.com slash contact. If you'd like to hang out with us on our preferred social media, see the links in the bottom of the show description. Find other great shows like Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, Linux Saloon, and so much more at tuxdigital.com. Show off your love for your favorite podcasts and shows by visiting Tux Digital Merch Store. Grab yourself some awesome swag like the gamer-centric I Pause My Game to Be Here shirt or join Team Wendy with some sinister Wendy swag. As always, we thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week with another awesome episode of Linux Out Loud. Until then, keep the banter friendly, conversations somewhat on topic, and have fun doing it.